Hey, hey, family, welcome to the Spoiled Milk Podcast. I am one half of the dynamic duo. I am DJ. I want to say what's up to my co-host, Big Mike. What's up, man? What's up, DJ? Everything is cool today. How how are things on, on your, your side of the planet? Oh, my side of the planet is good, man. <laughs> it, it's good. It hasn't been scorched by the sun or anything yet, but That's it's awesome. doing good. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. We're in the midst of our rainy season down here on this side. But, but, but every, every, you know, everything is cool. Everything is cool. Uh, awesome. Uh, hey, you know what? And we got a, uh, a guest on the show today. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't think he's going to talk too much, but we got my dog Chopper here from uh, Chopper from Detroit. Oh, yeah. Straight out of Chopper, Northbound. Chopper, say what's up? He, he, he's too busy right now sniffing the corner. Oh, okay. Okay. He's found something like some popcorn or something. Over in the corners, uh, I don't know. We we found something. So. He got to investigate that popcorn and see what it's doing there. That's what it is. He's always investigating, trying to find goodies. Oh yeah, snacks. Let you so go, Chopper. That's it. The official dog of the Spoiled Milk Podcast. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely, definitely. If if um, yeah, if if superheroes had animals, Chopper could could definitely be ours because I could see superheroes having pets. That would be pretty cool. Well, you, you know, the superheroes do have the... I can't remember their names, but I know uh, S- Superman has Crypto. Yeah. Uh, Batman has... Uh, what's the name of Batman's dog? They got a movie coming out about it. Oh, wow. For real? Yeah. Yeah, real soon. I think Keanu Reeves is voicing Batman. Uh, well, why but why not? Uh, yeah, it's called like Super Pets or something like that. Okay. Right? Wow. But yeah, Batman has like a Doberman... Uh, Superman has a, uh, he's not a lab. Like a German Shepherd or something? Some no, he's not a German Shepherd. Okay. He's a he's crypto. I don't know. He's a, he's, he's a uh, white furred dog, though. Yeah. That's all that. But, you know, every superhero needs somebody. <laughs> definitely. So, definitely. You know, it, it is what it is. But let, let's get this show cracking. Let's do it. Let's, uh, let's jump into the news. Okay. And, uh, let, let's talk about Real quick, let's talk about Batman a little bit. I, I got a chance to see it. I know it's on your list. Oh, yeah. Uh, Batman has cracked uh, the record for the uh, the second highest opening in the pandemic era. We all know that Spider-Man is number one. Oh, yeah. But but Batman has cracked, uh, cracked the record for the largest opening. I think the last time I checked, it was at $134 million for that opening weekend. Man, that's amazing. It, it is amazing. Yeah. It, it is. Uh, and when you consider the other films that came out during that time, that, that is really an accomplishment, right? When you look at, yeah. um, not Inception, what's the, Tanette? Yeah, Tanette. Uh, Tanette, uh, uh, Black Widow. Doom. Uh, yeah, Doom. Uh, you had uh, the Shang-Chi movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's been quite a few movies. Uh, James Bond. Yeah, definitely. It was a new Bond last fall. Yeah. That's right. So we got quite a few movies in this uh, pandemic era. And Batman cracked, you know, into that second right behind Spider-Man. And uh, that, that makes me feel pretty good. Makes me feel pretty good about where we're at as far as the the movie theater experience coming, uh, I'm just going to say coming out of the pandemic yeah. and uh, going back to some form of norm- normalcy. If we can just get Russia to act right, then yeah. we might get back to some normalcy. But, Most uh, definitely, because now now it's getting to the point where where you're wondering if you're going to have enough gas to get to the movie theater and home again. 
with these prices. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's about it, man. That's that's about it. It's gonna it's gonna make streaming uh just that much more attractive. That's what I'm saying. But but you know what? It's a testament for Batman to reach those levels, reach those heights. Uh, you know, the, uh, we did get a bit of bad news today, though, on the Batman front. Uh, director Matt Reeves came out and said that the project featuring the Gotham, Gotham City Police Department is no longer moving forward at HBO Max. And that kind of leaves me a little bit bummed. Yeah, me too. Me too. I hadn't even heard about it until you told me about it earlier. So to, to, to hear about that with thoughts about it, oh, but they're not going to do it at the same time. To find out all of that info at the same time is pretty disappointing. Yeah, and, and, and you know what? And not to spoil the film for anybody who hasn't watched it, but, well, I guess I'll say mild spoiler, right? Mild spoiler. I, I won't get into the details of it. But at the end of the Batman movie there's something that happens in the batman movie where the city of gotham is really in peril and i i I can't tell you what it is without spoiling right but it was set up perfectly in my opinion to feature a story or this spinoff with the gotham city pd i was really looking forward to that because the end of the batman set that up perfectly for that storyline to go forward uh because and this doesn't happen uh, in the movie, but they set it up in a way similar to the Batman No Man's Land storyline. If okay. anyone has read that comic book or read the uh, novelization by, uh, I believe it's by Greg Rucker, what happens in that comic book, it doesn't happen in the movie, but what happens in the comic book is that there's an earthquake, right? And basically, Gotham is like Manhattan, where you, you know, you need to enter Gotham. I think in the comic books it's four bridges and in uh in New York it's five. Uh but within the comic book, uh there's an earthquake and the earthquake destroys I think all the bridges except for one. Oh wow, okay. And uh the government uh labels Gotham City as a uh distress zone, a demilitarized uh uh not demilitarization zone, but they they uh they, they label it an emergency area. Oh. So basically what they do is they tell all the people of Gotham, hey, you know what? We're no longer going to support Gotham City because it's under that much, uh, uh, you know, under that much peril and there's been this much destruction. So if you love the city, you know, you need to leave out. And there is a portion of the populace that can't afford to leave. Oh, totally. They can't afford to start over. They can't afford to go anywhere else. So what they do is they decide to stay. And in turn, because they decide to stay, a portion of the Gotham City Police Department stays as well. And it's their job to police the city after this disaster has struck, after everything has happened, in the hopes that at one point the government will come back and help the city out. It's It's a really great story. And the movie is set up in a way that's similar to that. Uh, where they really could have played that off. But, you know, it kind of bumps me out that they say, no, we're not going to do this. So I'm hoping that we may see that in the next film uh, and uh, maybe even get some of those characters together. Like, you know, I was hoping for like a Black Mask or a Calendar Man. Oh, yeah. 
you know, some of the characters that you really don't, you really don't see, uh, Mr. Pig, yeah. any of these characters that, you know, would fit into not a main Batman movie or story, right. but maybe a secondary story. Oh, definitely. Um, Ratcatcher would have been cool. Any, any of these kinds of people. Yeah, yeah. Ratcatcher would have been good. But, you know, uh, hopefully we see that on another level uh, just because, you know, the Batman, that, that the movie has been, all, it was awesome. Awesome. Okay, well, well great. I, I definitely look forward to seeing it. I'm still kind of wrestling with the, you know, with the going to the movies during the pandemic, trying to figure out the day when maybe not that many people are going to go. As I was telling you last night, you know, we don't have any early showings. I was hoping, you know, this would be a great time to go to an 11 a.m. show or something like that. But mm-hmm. the first show doesn't start until four o'clock here. So it's so I so it's still some decisions to make, but I will I will definitely check it out. And I see why it's the second highest grossing during the pandemic, because you know, for everybody wondering, should I go to the theater during the pandemic? It would take something like a Spider-Man or a Batman to bring you out. This average run-of-the-mill, that looks pretty cool movie, that's good enough to wait until it streams or to wait until it comes on, you know, physical media, you know, Blu-ray, HD, Blu-ray, whatever. But the Batman, Spider-Man type movies of the world are definitely the ones to make you make that that deep, long, thought-out decision to, to go out to the theater again. Yeah, and, and you know what? I will tell you this, though, right? Like, I, I still wear my mask when I go out, uh, interact with people while I'm shopping or whatever. Uh, but my theater, there were there were only 20 people in the theater. Well, there, there weren't there weren't that many people in the theater, maybe 25 at the most. Okay. And then a buddy of mine, he saw it opening night as well. And he said he was the only person in the theater. Oh, wow. And this is like maybe six... He went to like a 6 p.m. show. Okay. Uh, so, it, you know, he, he was there pretty uh, at a decent time, like after people get off work and whatnot. Uh, so he was he was there, and he was the only one in the theater. Like, you know, he put it on Facebook, like, I'm the only one here. I can't believe it. <laughs> That's amazing. Because opening yeah. night is when, is when you probably have the biggest crowd of the whole run of it. Yeah, and, and you know what? Uh, you know, buyer beware, right? I, I will say this. The movie is all of three hours long, okay? So I went, uh, my local theater started to show, well, they had a three o'clock, a 3.30, or four. I made it to the four. Uh, so I got there about 15 minutes before four to get my seat, popcorn, all that other stuff. Uh, sat down, you know, and I'm the type of person, I don't get up. Once the movie starts, I don't get up at all, right? Like right. I use the bathroom, I take care of my business beforehand. This movie is all of that three hours. Wow. So I sat through the credits. I mean, not the credits, through the uh, trailers, the previews, went through the whole preview, yep. watched the entire movie, stayed all the way to the end. There's a small Easter egg at the end, at the end of the credits. I started driving home at 730. Wow. <laughs> so uh, it was, it, it was pretty long. So I was there from uh, 345, maybe 340 to 7 30 uh so you know just be aware yeah that when they say three hours for this film it's not one of those movies you're like okay three hours i'll be out in two and a half hours no the batman is long it is a long film it really is. well so it's not a not a, a rounded up three hours it's a legit three hours oh yeah yeah it's legit okay. it's, it's legit three hours okay. it's, it's not and and 
you know, in his defense, it didn't feel like it didn't feel like three hours in his defense. Uh, in his defense, it, it does have some long moments, but it did not feel like it was just dragging on and on and on and on. It it, it went back pretty well. And uh, if you have not checked it out, check out our spoiler-free review that we did uh, just a few days ago, and you'll see what we're talking about about Batman. But it was a, a very enjoyable film, and everything was put together. Uh, I will say this: as a person that went into it with low expectations, right? I had very low expectations for not. Well, I won't say very low expectations. But I wasn't expecting a whole lot out of it. Let me put it like that. Uh, just because, you know, we've been talking about romantic Batman. Oh, yeah. Uh, the teen hot heartthrob now becoming Batman and, and all of this. I went to it with very low expectations and, and the emo look that he had and all this other stuff. Uh, but I have to say I was pleasantly pleased. And the movie kind of fit right in with what Christopher Nolan already built. Okay. Uh, it fit, fit in there pretty well. Like it's a similar tone and feel, and Gotham is very. It's not clean. Like Gotham, well, Gotham is never clean on any of the movies, right? Uh, but it's not a clean movie at all. Like it's it's like a Christopher Nolan type film, but it takes place in a Gotham that looks more like Tim Burton's Gotham. Okay. Where it's all dirty and gray yeah. looking, and it, you know, you walk in there, you look like you're gonna get robbed. That that's okay. That's, yeah, that's what it looks like, and the movie kind of plays on the fears and what it is to be. You know, Batman calls itself vengeance, but it's a good film. I, I enjoyed it uh, quite a bit. I recommend it to anybody, and I know it's a lot of people out there. At least I seen on social media, a lot of people say, "Oh, he's terrible," and all this and uh to me that's what you get with just about every batman you have a a set of people who say it's not good like the when uh, christopher nolan did batman begins most people liked it but you had a portion of people who were like ah no it's horrible give me my michael keaton yeah and you know even with michael keaton initially people were like no i i don't like it they should have kept it like adam west but time shows again and again who's right and who's wrong. And in this case, I believe that those people are going to be wrong again. But we'll see. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I was, I, I actually liked every iteration of Batman, even the, even the Michael Keaton slash Val Kilmer slash whoever else was wearing the cowl one. Uh, George Clooney. Thank you, George Clooney. Clooney. Yeah, Clooney, uh, which is. Clooney was probably the worst of, of that era of Batman. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. well, maybe Clooney's movies were. I'm, I'm thinking about the horrible Two Face and the horrible Jim Carrey as the as the Riddler. It's been a swar- as big of a Schwarzenegger fan as I grew up to be. Seeing him as Mister Freeze was was kind of terrible too. But I liked them at the time. I didn't realize that they were that bad. Well, I realized Two-Face was terrible and the Riddler was terrible. But I didn't realize that they were that bad until Christopher Nolan brought out a much better Batman movie. And I love yeah. those. Yeah. I didn't I didn't necessarily I really thought Batman versus Superman was a very good movie. It had a couple points. The casting of Lex Luthor still makes me want to break things. 
Yes. Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> but the movie as a whole wasn't that bad, and to to see Ben Affleck just you know get mad and take his ball and go home uh, playing Batman, and then them totally start over was sort of a disappointment. And I still I still think DC has no overall plan. And wow. did did this movie sort of make you think that they might have? some overall plan to tie these characters in together or do you think they still just throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks so warner brothers came out uh i want to say it was this week and and that you know they had a press release and they, and they basically said this about their movies they said we're not going to try and make an overarching story we're going to worry about you know individual properties and get that going chopper where have you Stop! <laughs> but but one he's he's looking for a good DC movie too. Okay. That's what he's yeah, doing. He's, he's a, digging up under the chair looking. He's but, a disgruntled uh, fan, also. That's it. Uh, Warner Brothers came out and they basically said we're gonna uh, worry about our individual properties and tell stories within certain characters and you know uh, outside of everything else which I honestly think is probably the best way to go. Now, it hasn't really worked out, not all the way, but DC, in my opinion, has turned a corner in the last few movies. They've made more good movies recently than they've made bad or so-so movies. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, I think we do live in a world where that, that, that formula can succeed. You know, where a person can just watch one movie and enjoy one movie without having to see your whole catalog and still be a fan, but not have to watch everything. Like I like this Batman movie, you can watch the Batman. Right. right? And and not watch any of the other movies. You don't have to watch anything else. So for like the casual fan, that's really good because now you don't have to go in with all this angst and all this anxiety. Right. I need to know this. I need to know that. Whereas with Marvel, you you honestly have to watch everything. If you're going to enjoy Doctor Strange 2, guess what? You need to watch What If. Yeah. You need to watch Loki, the Loki series on Disney+. Plus. You, you, you know, you, watch you watch Division. Exactly. You might have to watch WandaVision. You need to know what happened in the first Doctor Strange. You might need to know what happened in uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. And that makes it, you know, a, a little bit difficult, a little difficult uh, for the casual fan to get involved. So DC said, no, we're, I mean, Warner Brothers said, no, we're going to focus on, uh, you know, individual characters. And, and I think that's going to work because, you got Aquaman coming out. You got Black Adam coming out. Yeah. You have uh, uh, what else? You got the Flash movie coming out. And I, I, I think they're gonna. So I take this with a grain of salt because I know they have these individual movies coming out. But I think at some point they're gonna say, okay, we're connecting everything. And whether that's gonna be with the Flash or whether that's gonna be somewhere else down the road, I think they're gonna do it. But initially you got all these characters and they're at different stages, right? Like if you look at what Robert Pattinson is doing in the Batman, he's at a different stage than the Batman, you know, that was in justice league with wonder Woman. right? Aquaman, same way, the flash, the same way. And then you have other movies like the Joker, which that fits more with the Batman than anything else. So I, I'm not exactly sure what they're going to do, but we'll see. 
Yeah, I can I can see some merit either either way, and I think Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, has totally changed our expectations. They mm-hmm. booted our expectations in the outer space, you know, because 20, 25 years ago, we wouldn't expect all of these tie-ins. You know, if you went to see, well, I'll take it back even further. If you went to see the Christopher Reeve Batman, you had no idea he even knew Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. There was no expectations when we saw Michael Keaton's Batman that they even they didn't even reference Superman. But then once we got the Marvel Cinematic Universe, all this interconnectivity, that's the expectation. And I think for DC, whether Warner Brothers is running the, the DC properties or if Warner Brothers does some, Sony does some, whatever, they should do either or. If you're not going to connect them, then don't give us a Justice League. Don't give us a Justice League that doesn't fit. Or mm-hmm. if you want to connect them and bring us a Justice League eventually, keep Robert Pattinson as Batman, but not say, okay, well, he's Batman in this film universe. And then we have, you know, Ben Affleck, or we have even maybe Matt Damon will take his turn playing Batman next time. You know, to give us either or. Because, and I also am really happy to hear that they had a successful Batman movie because I still see DC and Marvel. Marvel having really succeeded. DC is still making me scratch my head. You've got to really knock the big heroes out of the park. It's like I've said before, it's like a restaurant. If if you say Superman is our is our big steak and Batman yeah. is our big lobster dinner, we've got to really make them great. We can't have Suicide Squad being our nice, our nice dinner salad, and, and uh, Black Adam being our nice hush puppies on the side. Now their steaks are terrible, but man, if you go there, they have some great hush puppies. Nobody wants to go to that restaurant. You know what? You it's like the Texas Roadhouse. Yeah, that's what it's like. Like I mean, not 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 the Texas Roadhouse steaks are bad, right? But man, you go for the rolls. Like, you know, the roadkill, entree is good and all that yeah, stuff. Oh yeah. But you go for the rolls. Or, or, awesome. you, go, or, or you know what? It's even better. Than, I got a better example. Red Lobster. Okay. I I can I, I am not a Red Lobster fan at all. But guess what? If I go, I'm getting those biscuits. I can literally eat the biscuits all day long. I don't need the lobster. I don't need the crab. <laughs> I don't need the shrimp medley. But you know, those biscuits, that's what DC is. DC is red lobster. Yeah, yeah, they got some great biscuits. Suicide Squad was awesome. That's like a like a like a big supersized pack of those biscuits. And I actually like red lobster, by the way. I love that crab legs, but I'm a huge seafood fan. But but yeah. You know, we're on the same page. You've got to knock out the big characters. You know, we because mm-hmm. there's no excuse in you having a subpart Batman and Superman, and maybe we could even put Wonder Woman on on that list now. Yeah. And then at the same time, we get in a pretty highly acclaimed Joker movie. We get in an Aquaman movie that was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. A, a Suicide One that was pretty blah, but Suicide Two being pretty great. Ooh, that was great. Yeah, and it's like and, it's it's like you know where where does DC stand? And it just seems like they just all over the place. It doesn't seem like there's one main group. Once again, we have to borrow from Marvel. There doesn't seem to be a DC cinematic universe. There seems to be multiple DC properties, and we trying to 
trying to squeeze them together and they just don't fit. Yeah, and and, and you know what? Maybe this is maybe maybe this is a parallel for what's happening with DC altogether. Because I believe I, I read something uh, this week about them. Uh, closing up their physical offices in Burbank, California. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, I, you know, I'm hoping that they kind of get out of this because I remember it was maybe like 10 years ago or so that they officially closed their main offices in New York. And it was pretty abrupt, right? Like, like you know, it was one of those things like when they released, they were like, all right, yeah, we're moving our offices to California. And some people lost their jobs and some people went other places. And DC has not been the same since then. Oh, wow. uh, they don't, yeah, they don't have like that same uh, idea of where they're going as a publisher, like as a comic book publisher, where they're going, what's happening. Uh, their marriage with Warner Brothers, which Warner Brothers is on DC forever, right? Uh, has been tenuous at best at times as far as what they give out for the movie. The animations are always awesome. And always DC awesome. animations, yeah. Hand, hands down, the best. Yeah. Uh, but but now they're closing those offices in Burbank, and I'm saying to myself, like, okay, what's going on here? And then when you read the comic book, I I you know, and hope put your, put away your pitchforks and your torches, <laughs> right? I still go to the comic book shop. Maybe not every week. You know, maybe once a month. Or maybe other every other month, because uh, I still love comics. I still love reading comic books. It's it's, it's going to be something that you know it's an off and on thing for the rest of my life, more likely. That, that's just who I am, unless the comic book industry just decides to just not do anything good. But uh, I hate to see DC going through this because there are some great characters there, great storylines. And it just seems like they're in a tailspin right now. And I'm hoping that they kind of recover from this. And I mean, because nobody wants to see a world where I, I'm gonna be honest with you. Nobody wants to see a world where Marvel owns all the all their original characters now, and then also owns Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman and the Justice League and the Teen Titans. We need a yeah, we need a world where there's parody and where that parody forces these companies to tell great stories yeah competition competition is necessary yeah yeah it's, it, while while you were saying that that made me remember the faithful night that vince mcmahon came on on um monday night nitro yeah he and shane yes. came on showing that they had bought them out and, and that killed the competition and i know pro wrestling well pro wrestling is basically a glorified comic book and that's a pretty good that's a pretty good analogy, you know. When Vince owned WWF at the time and then bought WCW, I really thought he would keep two individual companies. Mm-hmm. He would just improve WCW, yep. but instead he folded WCW into WWF, and he bought out ECW as well. And they would just became yep. memories in around a year and a half. So yeah, I th- I think the world is better when when there is a DC and when there is an Image Comics, when there is a Dark Horse Comics, where there is basically competition out there to keep Marvel and keep all the big guys doing their best and not just sit back and say, well, since we own it all now, we don't have to do very much. Mm-hmm. And and that that's that that's one of the things we don't want to see. 
Totally. Like I, I want them to continue to make DC movies and Marvel movies at the same time because I believe that that competition brings out the best, the best in both companies, and that's one of the things we need to see. So, uh, you know, we're hoping for the best for DC, not only movies but comics as well. Uh, they got a boost with the Batman, so hopefully that Batman money helped them out. They, you know, they need so. To- <laughs> hopefully so. Hopefully this is this is something. Once again, like I've said on so, several podcasts, they they are always in need of a win. I'm hoping this is this is a win that they can say, okay, well let's build on this. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know what? Honestly, from the preview that they showed us of one, uh, not Wonder Woman, God, because that second Wonder Mo- One Woman movie was horrible. Yeah, but uh, from what we've seen from Aquaman, uh, Aquaman Two, Undersea Boogaloo, Undersea and, Boogaloo, uh, exactly. <laughs> you know, any sequel movie, this is two. Oh yeah, I'm gonna give it some type of Boogaloo. I don't know. Yeah, what totally. It, totally. You know, you got to. You know, but totally. Uh, anyway. And, anyway. if, and if they could figure out a way to to bring Turbo in and have him either dance with the broom outside the store or dance upside down on the ceiling, I'm 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 there for it. That, that's it, and, and that's 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 what that's the universe DC needs the breaking two universe. Oh, right? oh straight up, I'm I'm there for it. Rest in peace, Ozone. We we had lost him last year, but Turbo's still around, and that's it. In his mid fifties, I doubt he can dance upside down on the ceiling now like he used to, but. This would be a good time to bring in the next generation of breakdancers. But we got, you know, we got CGI now. Well, now hey, all you got CGI? That, yeah. That's it. They can deep fake his his face on somebody else doing the moves. That's that's it. Yeah. Hey, hey, well, actually, if we can get 1983 Mark Hamill playing Luke Skywalker, we can get 1984 Michael Chambers playing, <laughs> playing Turbo. Exactly. And, yeah. and, you know, if... And people complain, right? They complain about the technology to put one person's face on somebody else's face. They these people have obviously never seen the uh, quote unquote last Bruce Lee movie. Uh, not what was it? Game, Game of, Death? of Death. Yeah. Oh my God! They tried to they tried to do that with Bruce Lee in that movie. If you have if you're listening to this podcast right now and you have a minute, YouTube. Uh, Game of Death, yeah. Bruce Lee, uh, face. That's all you gotta do. And look at the terrible job. They, I mean, Bruce Lee's estate should have sued that. They should have sued the studio. That's how Most bad definitely it is. Should have. It's horrible, horrible. The late great Bruce Lee, they didn't like that. But, yeah, you, you know, I, the, I digress. The fight scenes were awesome, everything leading up to the story. Because I think I read he recorded. A lot of the fight scenes, you know, before he passed, and mm-hmm. but they didn't have anything to basically build the story around. So it was this other dude wearing sunglasses who looked about as much like Bruce Lee as I do. I mean, it was terrible. <laughs> it was it was terrible. But yeah, the the fight scenes are awesome. Seeing Bruce and Bruce and Kareem fight is still pretty pretty cool. But but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it's it is what it is. It is but, what it is. You know, it kind of goes that way. But man, let's man, we we have talked about Batman and DC movies for thirty minutes. <laughs> Can you believe that? Well, yeah, hey, hey, that's a that's that's a win also. That's a win also, and it was mostly positive. <laughs> that's it, mostly, and that's rare for us to talk mm-hmm. positive about DC. But you know, hey, even the broken clock is is right twice a day. So. Exactly. Uh, but hopefully, all jokes aside, hopefully they keep it going, keep the momentum going, 
you know, we all grew up on Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, uh, Green Lantern, all those characters. Oh, so yeah. They get it right and they, they keep it going. Uh, but let's go into our main topic today. We know it is March and we just left out February. And February is Black History Month. And uh, honestly, we try to live black history all the time. Oh, yeah. So we, we figured we bring that up in our podcast that we want to talk about some of the great Afri- African-American characters and actors and actresses that portrayed uh, different uh, different roles over the years. Because we know that sci-fi kind of helps us to normalize uh, some of our cultural differences. Right. Okay? Uh, and, and sometimes that's that's one of the things we need to look at. Like a lot of the change that we have socially and uh, even the things that we eventually see politically oftentimes start out in a work of fiction. Right. right? Whether it is equal rights, whether it is voting rights, whether it is just humanizing someone else. Sometimes these uh, works of fiction actually help us to uh, uh, not only to heal from these things, but also to understand it and give us a platform of discussing it. So uh, today is going to be about celebrating some of our favorite African-American characters, creators, and uh, content makers. Definitely. Uh, So I always want to start off uh, with my dude uh, who was born from Detroit, the late, great uh, Dwayne McDuffie. Okay. just, just a phenomenal creator uh, as far and and I won't just say in the comic space right like he was he was a great he was a great creator for comic books uh, 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 just a wonderful mind he had I, I believe uh, the documentary we saw the DC put out a couple years ago uh, they talked about him having like a degree in astrophysics and initially he wanted to be an astronaut but because he was he was like six five or something like that okay. six, six. yeah uh so that kind of knocked his uh knocked his uh dreams of being an astronaut out because you have to be a certain size oh yeah to fit into that capsule and everything else so it kind of knocked his dreams out so he turned his uh his attention to comic books and not only did he write comic books because uh, he started the dakota verse where we get static shot hardware blood syndicate uh 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 you know uh, all these characters from the codiverse he started all of that so it's a good thing uh that he did there and and, and you know just a great creator we lost him way too early i want to say he passed uh let me look it up because uh, we just uh, uh i know i celebrate the anniversary of his uh passing uh, February 21st, 2011. That's, yeah. when it was. That's when he passed. He was only uh, 49 years old. Wow. Young. Wasn't even old. Uh, but a great mind who not only moved forward the, the first black comic book universe, but also uh, he worked on Static Shock, the cartoon. My kids still watch that to this day. Uh, and then uh, uh, quite a few other things. He worked on being 10. The dude was great. Started Milestone Media. Just a, a wonderful mind uh, in the comic book industry, and he is missed sorely and dearly. Definitely, definitely. You know, I also saw that um, you know, he 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 did quite a quite a bit of writing for the Justice League as well, and I think he was connected to the um, Justice League animated show. 
Mm-hmm. He was. Which was big. That was very, very big. That's, to me, still the best The best version of, of the Justice League was probably from that Justice League show. Definitely. So, shout out to, to Dwayne McDuffie. And I also want to bring up Nichelle Nichols. She was... Um, she was very pivotal pivotal on the original Star Trek. Of course, she was Lieutenant Uhura. She played a very big part in every show. And it was it was it was interesting. She had such a big role in the show that she was one of the main characters. You know, she wasn't just one of the background people just kind of shoehorned in. She wasn't one of your average red shirts that probably wasn't going to come back, you know, from the away team. She was one of the most important characters there. She was big in all of the movies, I think, all of the movies that showed the the original cast. And, you know, and I think she's still living to this day. She's in her 70s. She was very, very big on, 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 the, on, on the original Star Trek. And, you know, she not only, you know, covered a lot of ground for black people, but for black women especially. You know, in the 1960s, I think Star Trek started in 66. When you know a lot of black women played sort of sort of demeaning roles, you know, roles like as maids, as you know, she was just the wife of the main character with very few lines. You know, Nichols got to got to play a her and actually had a very pivotal role on the show. Yeah, and you know, Ahura, uh, uh, the character of Ahura being the first person of renown and prominence in a nationally televised show, you know, and I, if I'm not mistaken, did Star Trek come on in primetime back then? I'm pretty sure it did, yeah, starting back in 66. Yeah, and, and you know, to have a character like her, she wasn't one of the first characters, she wasn't a maid, she wasn't like a ancillary character that didn't have uh, a, an important role or anything like that, but she had a good role, and to see an African-American woman on television to this day, there are still people who say, you know, you inspired me to do more. You inspired me to to uh, uh, just seeing that character, seeing someone like me inspired me to, to continue in school, to get my communications degree. Uh, there, There's even been a, a couple of uh, news anchors I heard that say, hey, you know what? She inspired me to go to school and to become a news anchor. And and that's that's one of the great things about uh, some of the characters of Sapphire. And then not only that, but to have the first interracial kiss oh, yeah. on television was that that's just that was unheard of back then. Oh yeah, definitely. Un- definitely her and Captain Kirk. Yeah. Yeah, unheard of. And and I I, I do want to celebrate now this is a fictional character, but uh, we know he was brought to the uh, silver screen uh, quite a few years ago, uh, played by the late great Shadwick Bozeman. Oh yeah. Uh, but I want to celebrate uh, uh, Black Panther oh, yeah. as a character. And, and we know it wasn't an African-American creator that made Black Panther. But shout out to Stan Lee and Jack Kirby for having the guts to create a Black character, that uh, an African character that was articulate. Uh, that was not only articulate, but uh, not just a character. He was actually a king. And to give him such a powerful name and and just a powerful persona to this day i still love the black panther character oh me too i have many many comic books i'm still trying to buy what was that fantastic four number 52 oh yeah uh, uh, yeah it's, it's an introduction man. right 
Yeah, his introduction. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so that that's uh that's always been one of those comic books that I want to have in my collection. Uh, just haven't uh, had the money to buy yet. I'm quite sure if I I sold half of my GI Joe collection, <laughs> I could get it. But yeah, uh, pretty much, <laughs> you have to trade half of that for one comic book. Yeah, exactly. Well, I got some. I got a few that are like that, right? Like I could probably buy a lot more if I just saw yeah, them. But yeah. re- regardless of that, uh, Black Panther character, he was not a character that was just, you know, a, a Sambo type character. Exactly. Not, you know, not a character that was a buffoon, but a character that was regal. And I'm glad that over the years, they still kept that character in his regal look. Even when he was denounced as the king of Wakanda for a while, he still had his integrity. He still had his moxie. He still had his loyalty. And and that's just honestly, that is a testament of the Marvel, the Marvel writers over the years. And I know at one point uh Reggie Hutland was r- working on Black Panther, uh great exec from BET. Oh, yeah. He was working on Black Panther. Uh and uh this was around the time that he married Storm. And then they went through their sub- subsequent separation and they got back together. And then you still see him uh, carried over. Uh, as of recently, we've had writers such as uh, 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 Ta-Nehisi Coates yeah. writing Black Panther. So these, these are, you know, and that that's the type of legacy that that character has, has uh, had over the years that great writers have written for him or written his character over the last, especially over the last 10 to 12 years here, we've seen great strides there. And, and for me, as an African-American young boy, seeing characters like Spider-Man was cool. Still love Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Still love Batman, uh, Captain America. Love all these characters. But to me, Black Panther was the Captain America of Africa. Oh, yeah, definitely. That that's what he was like. Captain America, America had Captain America. Britain had Captain Britain. Africans had Black Panther. Most definitely. And, and, and to me, it's awesome because I it, I it made me feel recognized and it validated me buying these comics, right? Because you want to see somebody like you. So big shout out to Marvel for Black Panther. Very very big shout out to Marvel. I I'm glad you mentioned Black Panther so much, and you mentioned the great writing. And, and if you look at the historical nature of the Black Panther came out in the late 60s, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. And around five or six years later, Luke Cage came out. Yep. And Luke Cage was, was you know, his, his origin story. He was in prison and he got experimented on and that's how he got mm-hmm. his powers. And, yep. and he ran around saying Jive Turkey and you know, all of all of this stereotypical sweet Christmas, sweet Christmas. <laughs> all of this stereotypical seventies jargon, whereas Black Panther remained regal and not yeah. not condemning Luke Cage, but that's just the difference in the portrayal of the two. Black Panther gives us something to aspire to. Wakanda, if Wakanda was a real place, black people would all be out buying passports and trying to book trips to stay in in Wakanda just for a couple of days just to experience what we saw in the movie and the movie was so pivotal so pivotal you know as a black man in america you know Mm -hmm. that really gives us something to be proud of and i wish black panther had been explored more you know that should have been black panther movies in the 80s i would have been black panther for every halloween i you know as a child 
and the points you made, we grew up on Spider-Man, Superman, Captain America, the Hulk. But it would have been great if he had a bigger presence, you know, during, during our childhood. And I'm glad that children today get to have have uh, have our hero. Yeah. And I'm hoping, you know, with all this turmoil they've talked about with Black Panther 2, that they can give us a very good movie that can... I don't think it's, it's going to approach the, the first one, because, especially without Chadwick Boseman. No, no, without Chadwick Boseman, it uh, it it, it just about cannot. Yeah. Um, you, you know, and, unless there's some type of dramatic entry by another character, uh, you know, uh, which would have to be of the level of Black Panther. Yeah. Uh, Shuri is not it. Shuri is not it. Not it. Even even before all this COVID stuff and anti-vax stuff and all, she wasn't it. That's just it, 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 she, she doesn't it. have the, the the weight and the gravity, yeah, to carry a film uh, that the great Chadwick Boseman did. Uh, yeah. he just he, he she, she just doesn't. Uh, you know, he he in his in his uh, in the roles that he played and and the characters that he's played, Chadwick Boseman. He, he played a lot of the great African-American characters within our culture. Well, whether definitely. It was Marshall, Marshall, whether it was James Brown, uh, Jackie Robinson. Yeah. And every time you could just see his, you know, his acting chops getting bigger and better, be- better and better. And that is one of the things uh, that you kind of have to bring to that role. Uh, and, and then there's some other things I've been hearing about the film that just kind of gives me pause. Yeah, uh, me but, too. But, I, but honestly, I wish they would just recast Chadwick Boseman. I, I, you know, I think that would be the best thing to do. To you know, because we want the character to continue on. We don't want right. the character to stop. Like, yes, we we know it should be a grieving period. It should be a grieving time. But find somebody who is Riku, who has that, that integrity, uh, and bring them into that role. And we, and we, as fans will embrace that. Right. We will, we, we will embrace it because you know, you can't just stop a series because one writer moves on. No, you got to bring somebody else on the right. You know, you got to vet it. it. It has to be that growing period, that learning period. And I, and I think they, they, they still can do that. They still can do that. I think Ryan, Ryan Coogler, has the ability uh, to do that, and, and we're gonna see. Now, I, I've been hearing about Umbaku uh, taking over, and uh, you know, I, I would rather that happen as well. Uh, but we'll see. We'll yeah. see. But we'll see. but overall, the character of Black Panther definitely awesome. Definitely awesome. Very very important to to Marvel and and uh, you know just just unto the to the culture as they say. You know as they say we definitely need black panther and we need this black panther to 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 be you know a very good movie i don't think we're going to see you know anything as powerful as the first but this one this one needs to not be a flop also yeah definitely needs to not be a flop yeah yeah it it does and and we need to see it but that brings me to another character as well unless you want to jump in you want to jump in oh yeah i was i was i was going to going to jump in with a quick one um i'd like to give a shout out to uh, will smith from independence day in 96 um will smith you know he played uh sergeant stephen hiller i think the great fighter Mm -hmm. pilot that 
that you know uh, helped to stop the 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 alien invasion with the help of Jeff Goldblum and and his um, software virus. I really thought, you know, at the time in 1996, we didn't know a lot about the internet and everything. But even then, I asked myself because because you know, with the whole Apple versus Microsoft, Microsoft viruses don't have any effect on Apple computers. So how would Jeff Goldblum's virus that he wrote on his laptop in five minutes really invade the alien computers and mess up all of their stuff? But hey, you know, don't don't uh, read into it too closely. It was a good movie and it was a lot of fun. And that was one of the first times you saw a black person as the star of the movie. You know, he wasn't third in command or he wasn't, you know, this cool guy that made you laugh before he got killed by the alien. You know, he was the star of the movie. So shout out to Will and all of his hard work over the years. And shout out to to Stephen Hiller, the fighter pilot who beat the alien invasion that they promptly killed off off screen for the sequel. The horrible sequel yeah. that is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so first, let me, let me say this. They were using Linux. Oh, Linux. That's oh, that's using. what it was. Okay. <laughs> Okay, makes all the sense in the world that that aliens across the galaxy also use Linux. Yeah, they use Linux on Alienware computers. Yeah. That's what happens. That's makes perfect that. sense. But uh, uh, Will Smith, man, that movie to this day, I still watch it once a year. Yeah. Right, and and just to see, and, and this is probably the most, <laughs> this is probably the most black man thing to do, right? Of course. As black men ourselves, of course. As black men ourselves, if if you know, I'm I'm fighting the alien, and the alien is trying to get the best of me, and the only way for me to you know defeat that alien is I have to cr- crash my plane into a mountain, and subsequently you know I take the alien out. When he climbs out of that spaceship, I'm going to punch him too. I'm going to hit. That's that's what I'm going to. I'm going to hit that alien too. Yeah. And the see. And, the, and it was preposterous, but it was the right emotion to display at that time. You punched the alien in the face. I totally and then agree. Later, and then later on, we found out that that was really a armor, which made no sense. But that movie was great, man. Oh, yeah, it's an awesome movie. It, it, it was. It was great. Uh, I still watch it to this day. Uh, just a awesome movie. And you're right. They should have moved the mountains to get him back on for part two. Yeah. They shouldn't move them out. They should have said, hey, we'll give you writing credit. We'll give you producing credit. Yeah. We'll let you change the story around some. Yeah. We'll let you we'll let you do all of that. Uh, you know, and, and, and but they didn't do that. And and I believe if they had brought if they had him, and that's one of the good things that we see about some of the movies we have now, right? Like Jurassic Park is is you know, even though that second Jurassic World movie sucked, it wasn't that good. <laughs> right. Even though it wasn't that good, I saw what they were doing in trying to bring back Jeff Goldblum. And now with the third one, they're bringing back uh, Sam, Sam, uh, Sam, I'm about to say Sam Elliott. Sam, uh, Neil. Sam O'Neill. I think it's Sam, Sam Neill. I don't Sam think Neil? Oh, I think it's just Neil. Yeah. Okay, Sam Neill bringing him back, bringing back Laura Dern. Yeah. Uh, and then having Jeff Goldblum again. Uh, bringing them back and, and kind of playing on that nostalgia factor 
it's going to help that film. Now, whether the, the script is good or not, I, I don't know. Yeah. But at least, you, you know, you add some of that nostalgia factor by bringing those characters on and then bringing them back. And that's what they should have did with Will Smith. They should have just said, hey, you know what? We want to, you know, we want to make this movie. We need to sign you first oh, before sure. he's saying, but, and sure. if you can't get him, then you don't do it. You don't do it. I totally that, agree. That's don't make that, the movie that's, right because if you can't that. get Stephen Hiller back, I, I I totally agree. I think they could have tried all they could to get him, and Will Smith is just funny about movies he decides to make because he's he's not a Samuel Jackson who I'm sure was going to be mentioned later in the podcast. But I'll toss Sam's name out there right now. Mm-hmm. Sam seems to me that he will make anything if you pay him. Good script, bad script. As long as he's not making an, another movie, if you and I wrote a script in the next 15 minutes and we contacted Sam's agent and we had the dollar amount and he had some time this year, he would be on board because that's what he does. He makes three movies a year and Will Smith makes one movie every three years. So, you know, Independence Day 2 might have come at a bad time for Will. He might have been dealing with entanglements or... Or whatever. Because now keep in mind, this is the same dude that turned out to be in the Matrix so he could make Wild Wild West. So so you know, who knows what what Will was was battling at the time when they (laughs) they came to him. And they might not have made a a big enough offer, but yeah, I I totally agree. You don't make it without Sergeant Stephen Hiller. I mean well, he probably had gotten a promotion. He's probably an enlisted. He probably wasn't an, an enlisted man. He's probably an officer. So let's call him Major Stephen Hiller. But by, by this point, yeah. But you know what? Just I want to celebrate Will Smith. Period. Right. Oh yeah. Because Will Smith has just been the face of so many movies and franchises. Whether it's Men in Black. Oh yeah. Uh, they tried to start a, a franchise of Wild Wild West. That really didn't work. No, it was uh, horrible. Uh, I Robot. That was a decent movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hancock, that was okay. Uh, you look at I Am Legend, which, speaking of which, him and Michael B. Jordan are teaming up to uh, make part two of that. So uh, we're we're hoping that works out well. Yeah. Uh, but Will Will Smith, man, has just really been a force to be reckoned with, uh, especially in the and when it comes to genre films and genre movies, he has really been a force to be reckoned with, and man. It's just good to see his humble beginnings as uh, the rap artist, <laughs> you yeah. know. The Fresh Prince. Uh, yeah, Fresh Prince going all the way to where he's at now as just a, a icon. He's still culture, culturally relevant. And he just seems like the type of dude. I've never met Will Smith. I hope I do one day, right? But him and Denzel Washington seems like the type of guys you could just, you know, go have a bite to eat with, go watch a ball game. Yeah. Uh go see a basketball game, baseball game with and and just come away a better person. And that it and and we hear a lot of negative things about uh, uh you know black men in general. But to see a black man man who is there, not we can say whatever we want to say. Uh, or people can say whatever they want to say about, you know, his family or whatnot. But he is present in the life of his children. He he, he does a lot of things, even now that are relevant. 
and and the guy's just he just seems like a great person he really does um i i i can't say enough about him and it's good to see uh someone someone of his caliber still doing it and doing it at a high level oh yeah totally totally yeah and that that gemini man was a good movie he's 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 not afraid to kind of tackle some of these projects that some of these other actors might might not do because because you know speaking of sci-fi and, and that technology for him to fight his younger self that was that was a, a very good movie yeah so yeah and, shout out to well, well I, i'm not gonna say it's a very good it was an okay movie to me i you know i'm tough man yeah. I'm, tough on, I'm tough on the movie it, it wasn't horrible though it wasn't but it was it was an okay movie to me it was it was okay it wasn't like one of those movies where i was like all right i got to have this i got to go buy this uh, you know, and and he did great. This is non-sci-fi, but if you have you seen Concussion? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I have. That that was a great movie. Now Definitely. that movie, I really really enjoyed. I enjoyed that immensely. And I know it's not sci-fi, but if you're into football even a little bit, uh, or the NFL even a little bit, watch that movie. It was really great. It kind of details. Uh, quite a few things. Yeah, uh, it yeah. it um basically tells too much. I didn't like that movie. Not that it wasn't wasn't well written, wasn't well acted. I didn't like everything I learned from that movie. It really made me feel guilty about being a big football fan because if we don't watch it, people don't go through all of the things they do to harm their bodies with these concussions. And I'm like, wow. Every time I, I sit on the couch, every time I buy a ticket to a game, every time I buy a throwback jersey, I'm contributing to these concussions. Yep. And that that movie was something serious. That was a very, very good movie. And um, Seven Pounds, have you seen that one? Oh, yeah, definitely. Seven Pounds was great. Seven, was great. Seven Pounds was a serious movie. And I told a few people, and I laughed when I said it, I didn't realize Will could act until I saw Seven Pounds. And I say that because, you know, comedies and action movies are one thing, but to take you to the places he took you in Seven Pounds, I watched Seven Pounds one night. It was during the week and I had to be at work early that morning. Mm -hmm. And after I watched that, I was in such an odd place. That movie leaves you with so many crazy feelings that I had to watch a comedy before I was able to go to sleep because I was like, there's no way this is going to be the last thing I see tonight. That's right, because it'll yeah, mess you up. It'll mess you up. Now let me ask you this. Okay. Have have you watched have you watched uh his other movie Focus with Margot Robbie? I haven't seen that one. Oh man. First of all, that movie has a great it's a great soundtrack. Okay. The soundtrack is phenomenal. It's mostly blues and jazz. Okay. But that 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 has nothing to do with the movie, right? It's just a great soundtrack. But the movie itself is is like a grifter type movie, like a heist, not a heist. It's like it's like a grifter type movie. Okay. Where basically Will Smith is a a con man. That's what he is. Okay. And Margot Rob- Robbie is like a con woman, and they're trying to con somebody out of something. So you gotta watch it, man. It's a great movie. Uh, really, really good. You might be able to find it for free somewhere. Okay. Uh, like on one of the streaming services. I'll, I'll uh, definitely check for that. I like Margot. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Margot. Yeah, it, it's man, it is a good movie. But let let's switch back. Uh, I got one last person. Okay. That I want to celebrate. Uh, for uh, for uh, in Black history or in phenomenal uh, Black people, yeah, or phenomenal Black characters rather. 
And, and and there's so many like we can literally spend another hour oh yeah talking about this but uh you know this is march and i kind of wanted to kind of pivot just a little bit uh and, and celebrate a black woman okay or let's another black female character because we we celebrate michelle nichols but i want to celebrate a fictional character which is uh really good for our audience you know i got daughters so it's good for them to see uh, strong black female characters in comic books, right? Especially original characters. I'm a big fan of creating original characters, not like characters based on somebody else or someone takes the mantle of somebody else. Right. I want to see that. Like, I want to see original characters. And I have to celebrate the character of Storm. Oh, definitely. X-Men. Yeah. Got to celebrate that character. Storm is a... If you, if you do not follow the X-Men, most people... No Storm, even if you don't follow the X-Men. Storm is a phenomenal character who has who has just over the years, time and time again, been the linchpin and the cornerstone of the X-Men. At some point, and, and I know that Professor X is, you know, he's Professor X and all that, but Professor X is a horrible person. He's a, a horrible character. <laughs> horrible horrible character like he you know if you're an x-men fan and you go like you know the people came on like chris claremont those days and all that everybody oh x professor x is awesome no he's not he's terrible he's a terrible person (laughs) he goes around reading people's minds and just you know manipulating uh, basically teenagers to do what he wants them to do he's brainwashed them right but but out of all this Storm is one of the best X-Men characters. She has been the leader of the X-Men. Storm was the leader of the X-Men without her powers. Exactly. That's that's how awesome she was. She was the leader of the X-Men without her powers. You know, when she lost her powers, she still led them. Her and, her and Cyclops fought to be leaders of the X-Men, and she won. And anybody who knows me knows that I am a Cyclops fan. I love the character of Cyclops. I hate it, what they've done with the character. Most definitely. In the last, couple, in the last few years, yeah. they have just nerfed him and made him of just just of no just no repute at all. He has just been of ill repute. Let me feel like yeah. that. Just, they have nerfed him. But Especially in the movies. Oh man, in the movies, he has just gotten the short stick yeah, time and time again. Definitely. Just the work, just just horrible. But Storm, though, on the other hand, has just been a great character. She's been the leader of the X Men. She was. Uh, she has always shown herself to be regal and above so many other just so many other things that she faces time and time again. Whether it is in the the cartoon. Uh, in the comic book, she has been the linchpin of the X-Men at some point, and I hope someone from Marvel, I hope someone from Marvel gets word of this, right? Like, this is what you guys should do. This is what should happen, right? Like, I know that they have put Wolverine as the professor of the X-Men. They have put Professor X as the professor, uh, leader of the X-Men. And and I know at one point, Storm was kind of there, but she should be the one who takes up the mantle of the Xavier Institute. I know they did it for a little while, but this should be the end game of where it should go. Professor X should, I'm just going to say it. I know a lot of people going to hate it. They're going to hate, you know, every episode I do one, right? This is my one for this this episode. 
Professor Extra bites the bullet for good. No. Like, yes, for good. I'm over here gone. covering my head from all of these flying that, tomatoes and all of this random I, rotten know, fruit and vegetables coming my way. That, he should be gone. <laughs> gone and let, let Storm lead the X-Men for good. Just let her lead the X-Men for good. I think that would be a great move for them because Professor X does some stuff that just you 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 oh my god you read X Men comic books oh yeah or or you go into the history you just look like all right Professor X is a dirtbag. Kitty yeah. Pride said it best. What, what, what was that uh, way in the eighties where the the one uh, the one panel you got Kitty Pride pointing and she's saying Professor X is a jerk. Well, guess what? I agree with Kitty Pride. Professor X is a jerk, man. Whether whether it is uh, uh, enslaving Cerebro, and then you know Cerebro making Cerebro uh, not Cerebro, but the Danger Room AI enslaving the Danger Room AI until it becomes a villain. That yeah, that's Professor X. Yeah, you know you know manipulating Jean Grey, manipulating different people, manipulating Cyclops. To the point where he forgets his brother and all this other stuff. That's Professor X. So who better to lead the X-Men than somebody who is wise? Yep. Has integrity. Has, you know, she understands what it's like to be lifted up in a pedestal, but still take care of people. Storm. Oh, yeah. Storm has never been. I, I know at one point they were talking about Jean Grey. Jean Grey was the phoenix. You can't trust her. She's no. totally, un- totally un- untrustworthy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What they done with Cyclops? Cy- Cyclops killed Professor X at one point. You can't. No, no, no. The the pressure might break him. Yeah. No. Get give it to Storm, and then we go from there. Which is a great character. Great for some of our young ladies out there. Great, great even for for some of our minorities. Great character who I think represents the X Men perfectly. Totally agree, and I don't really have any, anything to add. A total, total uh, great description of um, Storm. I have, I have a question. Have you ever heard of Jade Cargill? No, the ring, the name rings a bell, but I can't place it right now. Okay, she's a pro wrestler for AEW, and okay. she's my choice for Storm. I, I think if anybody from Marvel is listening to this, anybody that knows anybody, if you the first cousin of the guy that cleans the office for Kevin Feige or if you know somebody that lives across the street from Kevin, let him know y'all should give Jade Cargill a call and cast her for Storm if she can be a, a pro wrestler, she can act good enough for an action movie, she can do her own stunts and all of this kind of stuff this this girl, she looks like what I would picture Storm as as a, as a real person What's her name again? Uh, uh, Jade. Her last name is uh, C A R G I L L Cargill. I, I got it. I got it. Let me take a look. Let me take a look. And Let's I even see. even type in Jade Cargill Storm because uh, she did cosplay as Storm, and she's perfect. She has the hair. Yeah. She has the look. I. You know what? I agree with you a hundred percent. Yeah, Jade I, Cargill Storm. She is. Oh yeah, with that that on cosplay. Yeah, that's Storm, definitely. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I'm, I'm down with that. Yeah, yeah. I'm down it should with be that. Storm. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I agree. She has the look. 
yeah, I'm I'm good with it. Yeah. I'm good with it. Yeah. Now the only thing is, I want to see Storm. You know, I maybe I'm a, a I'm a sucker for the '90s. Okay, but that '90s outfit that she used to have, that costume with the uh, the armored shoulder pads. Oh yeah, that that is one of my favorite Storm outfits. That Storm outfit is awesome. Whether it's the black one uh, with the yellow X Men symbol or the white one with the black and red X Men symbol, I'm down with that. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. I can go with that. Uh, that's about all I got for this episode because we're way over, man. We have oh yeah, over. definitely, definitely. But hey, you know that's how how things go once we start talking and once we start kind of going off on a great tangent every now and then. I think we do very, very good tangents on this on this podcast. I have to agree. That's it. We should have named this podcast "Great Tangent." Well, hey, hey, you know it's <laughs> could be spoiled milk slash great tangents. Who knows? Who knows? Possibilities, possibilities. <laughs> Uh, maybe somebody's out there about to start a podcast. You can have that one for free. Oh yeah, go ahead. Start, yeah, start, you a, start a podcast called Great Tangents. Great Tangents. It'll, it'll, oh, yeah, yeah, that'll be it. That'll oh, yeah, be it. you know, at least give us a shout out, and uh, you yeah, know, if you do do that, and send us an email at spoiledmilkweb at gmail. We'd be glad to uh, be some guests on your show, and oh, we can have some great tangents all together. Great tangents. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Oh yeah, this this has been. A great podcast. Thanks a lot, Spoiled Milk family. Before we wait, go- wait, 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 oh. wait. We gotta we gotta do our what's on the show. Oh, my fault. <laughs> my fault. I thought this was the I was I was thinking this was the um the wrap up. I was I was about to give a quick shout out to my boy LL Cool J for being the first black man to live in a monster disaster evil shark movie. Yeah sure when that one came out, but what year that was. But yeah, shout out to LL for that. But yeah, so What's on your shelf, DJ? <laughs> now, I think Deep Blue Sea was 1998. Thank you, uh, Deep Blue Sea. That's it. What's on my shelf is I am uh, preparing myself uh, for the new Doctor Strange. Okay. So I uh, am reading the uh, Doctor Strange uh, graphic novel, volume one. I know in the comics... We uh we have a new uh Doctor Strange now because the old Doctor Strange is dead. But I like to kind of go back and uh you know review some of the older stuff. Oh yeah. So uh, I'm reading Doctor Strange Volume One, The Way of the Weird, which which it basically uh kind of collects uh, some of Doctor Strange from the 2015 run by Jason Aaron. Okay. Uh, that volume collects one through five, and uh, I just got the action figure that uh sort of goes with that graphic novel a little bit the marvel legend so i wanted to go back and and read the uh read the uh comic book the graphic novel before i did the action figure review on our youtube channel okay okay great great yeah yeah so what you got you got anything oh yeah definitely i have on my shelf um uh this this is a, a series that's that's right after my sports heart, it's called Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. It came on the other night. I think the first episode was this past Sunday. It's on HBO Max. It basically details the Showtime Lakers. That's when I started loving basketball, when I started loving the NBA. It picks up on Jerry Buss. You know, he was the famous owner of the Lakers. It okay. picks up right before he bought the Lakers. I had no idea he bought the Lakers from this guy, Jack Kent Cook who also mm-hmm. famously owned the Redskins back in the days, I think. 
That's right. I've heard that. Yeah. Right. Okay. And it's a very, very interesting show. It gives okay. you a lot of insight. Now, granted, it's, it's scripted. I'm not sure how much of this is true. I'm sure a lot of people are hating their portrayals. Jerry West probably hates his portrayal in the show. But it's pretty it's pretty cool. It, it think it it um I think it starts around seventy eight or seventy nine before Magic Johnson got drafted, you know, to the Lakers. Okay. It's a very good show. I'm looking forward to what the you know they're they're gonna do, what what other reveals we'll see during the season. But yeah, it's a great show for sports fans, especially if you were a fan of the eighties Showtime Lakers. I was a, a little kid. I don't remember a lot of stuff at the very, very beginning, but around the time I started watching basketball, it's probably going to be, you know, next season or so or the following season. But, but yeah, it's a, it's a good show so far. I'm enjoying it. Okay. All right. We're going to have to uh, check that out then. You know, I'm a sports fan as well. So yeah, I'll, uh, I'll start checking that out, look into it. Uh, I'm not the hugest Laker fan. I know you're, you're oh, the course. Laker fan. Oh, yeah. Of the podcast podcast you know i'm a, you know detroit pistons the bad boys uh, yeah bad boy there so you know that was that was that love hate relationship oh yeah there. definitely uh, that, that, that was between la boston detroit and then chicago kind of came around oh yeah at the end there even though i like me some michael jordan you know i i have a duality there i still fight with it's ever chicago versus detroit i'm always going for detroit gotta pull for you for your bad boy pistons and they will yeah they 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 probably casting the young isaiah thomas pretty soon because they'll well the pistons probably wouldn't come in in the first season but i will see see um isaiah and dumars in that crowd probably season three or so maybe if if it catches on it does pretty well but yeah that was that was a great time in basketball I'll keep my ear to the pavement. If they decide to shoot anything in the LCA, I'll make my way down there to at least be an extra. Oh yeah, definitely, so, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna make my way down there. But man, <laughs> this I'm gonna have to check that out. This has been a great podcast. I, you know what? You're, you're gonna close us out today, Big Mike. Close up. You already pulled the trigger. Oh yeah. You got the gun in your hand. Go ahead, and close us out for the day. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks again for your for your loyal listening, Spoil Milk family, for your, your, your for your dedication. We have a great time doing this podcast. We hoping you're enjoying it also. And until next time, we are DJ and Big Mike, the Spoil Milk family. Thanks a lot.